everybody and welcome to episode 135 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and joining me today for our little look back at the year that is 2018, and that is Mr. Chris Fint. Hello. Uh, yes, this is going to be the best of Chris Fint, so this is going to be a pre-record, and um, it's... Um, that, that... You've you've obviously misinterpreted what I was telling you before today's show. This is it's the best of twenty eighteen in general. It's it's not about it's not the best of you, twenty eighteen. Well, I've prepared all notes and everything, so <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're just gonna have to scrap them then. Okay. We'll give I... you five minutes at the end. How's that sound? Um, no. Um I was actually gonna say it's the best of me and this is a pre record and we're just gonna insert clips from all old footage and then just p- paste that in so this is going to be as real as it gets and then everything else is just going to be copy and paste so just so you're aware of that don't get too excited folks but uh yes few kind of little things to get out of the way first obviously our usual plugs if you want to get in contact with the show feel free to drop us a tweet or dm on twitter just search at RetroShockPod on there DMs are a wee bit easier if you want to send us a slightly longer message about what you'd maybe like to see on the show in the future, be it an old movie, TV show, comic books, you name it. We look forward to hopefully covering it in the future. You can also message us on Facebook to search Operation Retroshock on there. And if you are indeed enjoying the show, it'd be fantastic if you left us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those lovely places that we are available for you to download and enjoy. Can I also say that obviously with us, obviously it's been like eight years that we've done this podcast or it feels like longer, but somebody who's just starting their podcast journey is our good friend of ours, Stevie Robinson. And if you wanted to check out his podcast, um, it's called um, The Other Worlds Than These Podcasts. So you can get that on iTunes, uh, Podbean, such like that. And it'd be great if you could give him your support if you're interested in comic books and things like that. He talks to a lot of people in the comic book industry. He's only done a couple of episodes at time of recording. So if you want to check him out, feel free to do so. It's... Very cool, I must say, to finally see him taking the dive into the podcasting mm-hmm. world, because uh, I've known Stevie for probably, well, probably about as long as we've been doing this show anyway, yeah. so the cuts of about probably seven, eight years now, through the hockey originally and all, and we're from working together on the game crew of the Giants, and he always expressed a lot of interest mm-hmm. in starting up a podcast, and it's nice, like I said, to finally see him taking that dive and uh, kind of spreading the wings because he did blog stuff, reviews of yeah. you know comics and such on there. So uh, yeah, good luck anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so who knows? You may uh, take a break for four years and then come back like us eventually. May do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never but, say never, as they say. But yes, go and check that out, folks. Um, but also then one final uh, little thing to let you all know before we do dive in to uh, our best of 2018 stuff is this is, as Chris said, being pre-recorded ever so slightly. You're getting this in the middle of December. Um, as of recording, it is a few weeks prior. So 
that way what we've done is what we've done is with this best of 2018 we're only taking from January to end of November so with I like to say Super Smash Brothers that's not going to exactly. be included in like our favourite games or the likes of say at the time of recording we haven't seen Creed so again that wouldn't be something 100%. that's part of there so just in case you're like well here this was really good why didn't you include that? That's so you know why. Because it's still in the future for us. Yes, exactly. So there is a cutoff point very much like with some vi- like video game awards and things like that. There will be a certain, or Oscars, there will be a certain cutoff point. Not that we're comparing ourselves to <laughs> yeah, that, <I> but, <laughs> but uh, here's your Oscar, some tissues. Um, but yeah, it's just in case you're wondering why, you know, like Something obviously, obviously like with Alan being a huge Wreck-It Ralph fan, <clears throat> um, Wreck-It Ralph 2 is just hit like a couple of days ago, so... Again, with us trying to get all this done pre-Christmas rush for everyone, we wanted to make sure that you had something to listen to um, week in, week out. And small but tiny sacrifices have to be made. They do. In that regard. But there still will be tons of stuff to discuss in this episode. Stuff that we've maybe talked about ever so slightly before this year. So those sort of things we probably won't try to dwell on too much. But if there's a few things that we have particularly enjoyed that we haven't really touched on too much in the show, that's probably what we'll talk about a wee bit more, Mm -hmm. I would suspect. So, obviously, we've had shows about uh, Avengers and Black Panther and stuff like that. So, if you want to hear our really in-depth thoughts on those, go back, find those, and have them a listen. And, uh, yeah, we'll dive in, shall we, then? We shall. So, we'll just start things out, Chris, and we will go... Uh, with the movie category okay. for 2018. So is there one above and beyond movie that stands out for you as a favourite in 2018? It would have to be Infinity War without a shadow of a doubt. Um, that was a good experience <coughs> to go with you and watch. And I remember just... Um, spoilers if you haven't seen this, by the way, but whenever Stark got stabbed, I remember kind of looking at you and you're kind of... It was almost like whenever Han Solo, spoilers, died in Force Awakens. So many spoilers that um you know because he's you know like we're both team iron man you know like and as much as that would have been if that had been banner i would be like <gasps> but with that with it being your guy and i'd be like okay well i kind of looked and then just like the end we're like what it's just like that and we've always said that that is this generation's empire strikes back where it ends on a real diner and you kind of walk out go what what um, Absolutely. So that for me, and I would have to say that probably again one that we talked about last episode um, would probably be one that could because I enjoyed it and it's one that I'll probably watch time and time again would be Solo because of how I enjoy enjoyed how much I enjoyed watching it rather than if I'd gone to see it in the cinema. Fair enough, but because I then. The best thing I can say is that I had very low expectations and it beat it, you know, like, so I was, wasn't going, oh, Star Wars is going to be brilliant. And then, oh, but then I was like, oh, I'm not expecting much from this and presently surprised. And, you know, like everyone who, the way they, everyone, um, the kind of, um, oh, chemistry between them all was there. It's yeah. not something that you can falsify. If it's not there, it's not there. 100%. And if somebody doesn't bounce off well off somebody, then you can go, right, well, that's dreadful. But for me, Solo would be second. But Infinity War is one that's a film, no pun intended, but like 10 years in the making. But it's just one that, again, you just watch and it's just... It really is. Like, I think you did nail it 
uh, perfectly there. And it's again, it's something we did say in the episode where it is pretty much the Empire Strikes Back of the Marvel Universe at this moment in time, at least. Because you're left there just wondering just what what turn can this take yeah. uh, going into the next Avengers in 2019. And uh, it is an even, I would even go so far as to say, an even more somber ending than Empire. Oh, totally. Because Empire still ends with, you know, that Star yeah. Wars fanfare and, yeah. you know, staring out into the galaxy, you know, off the medical ship. Um, whereas Avengers just ended with that those like single piano notes yeah. of the Avengers theme, and you're just like, and there's just silence in the cinema, mm-hmm. and it's very rare, if I can remember at least, that having gone to see a Marvel movie where you walk out and the crowd is silent. Yeah, in that experience, it's always there's always usually that sort of chatter in the background of people discussing what's yeah, been happening. Yeah, like, ex- like especially at the end of, was it Spider-Man? To do with Captain America trolling us and going like, patience, and you're like, oh, you, oh! And she's like, that's why I'm Timmy Iron Man. But, you know, again, whenever you look at things like that, you know, Spider-Man was this year as well, wasn't it? That's it. There's you know, so there, there's so many that you kind of forget about, and you're just like, oh, I forgot about that, I forgot about this. I don't really go to the cinema that much, yeah. So there'll be certain films that I'll watch at a later date, but yeah. those ones there, you know, the Marvel movies are always you need to go see it in the cinema because you don't want to get it spoiled. And Solo was very good. That I think I maybe had the Darth Maul thing spoiled for me, but I didn't see it, and then I didn't know that it was Ray Park and Whitmer. You know doing that which I thought was really cool so it is um solo's definitely in there for me as well that's a hundred percent given it's one of those ones and again I'm not going to dive into it too much because I do want us to properly do like a dedicated episode to solo down the line a solo episode for solo a solo episode for solo that's yeah the title. that's just going to be the title of it yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. um but it is exactly you went into it and you were like not sure about this old Aaron right guy he ended up doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you wanted Donald Glover to do really well as Lando. He completely, I would say, almost over-delivered yes. in terms of Lando. Yeah. He was really, really good. You were like, I know really what this story's going to be, mm-hmm. but it was still very enjoyable. Yeah. Just all these little things. The music was great, etc., etc. Made a really enjoyable film. And really after what... And we aren't going to get into this debate again because we talked about it enough in the last episode. With the divisiveness of the Last Jedi, it was pretty much what a lot of people needed. Yeah. To maybe get themselves back into the for in Star the Wars. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so another one for me, and, and some of these probably you're not going to have seen because I'm probably more of an actual goer to the than yourself. Say, I've imagined that one <coughs> that's probably going to be on your list is probably Ready Player One. That's exactly what I was about to say. Oh, I see. Oh. That's He's taking glances at my iPad, everybody, probably, from upside down. <laughs> no, I'm only winding up. Um, but yeah, Ready Player One is there. Ready Player One, for me, I'm not going to talk any of the plot because I don't think you've probably seen I it still seen yet. It. I I have it to watch, but oh, I, just, it? I just haven't watched it as yet. I 100% recommend it. It is really, really enjoyable. The best way I can describe Ready Player One is it 100% feels like, you know, an 80s Spielberg movie. It has that sort mm-hmm. of, you know... Um, the 80s magic. Yeah, the yeah. 80s magic. That's it. Don't look at it as... 
a 2018 movie. Look mm. at it as, you know, an 80s style, you know, got that kind of childish wonder to it okay. that you enjoyed from like Spielberg stuff mm-hmm. growing up, but with the technology of 2018 behind it. Right, okay. Really. Plus all those sort of Easter eggs and all that you can kind of sink your teeth into. Yeah. There's going to be stuff there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody's watched the trailer, this doesn't give away much of anything, but you see the T-Rex. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, that like, and the Iron Giant and exactly. things like that. So those little things, you know, yes, maybe some are just there for, you know, the sake of it. Yeah. But it still gives each individual person a little nugget, a little mm-hmm. morsel of, like, Oh, yes. You know, that little uh, nostalgia tap into the veins, sort of say. But it is definitely one that I would recommend anybody to check out. And who knows, it's another one we maybe could dive into in the future when you've finally watched it. I think Black Panther has to get thrown in again. Yeah, you see, because because we're at the end of the year, it's like, it's hard to... Because that was February. Yeah, but you keep thinking, I'm like, oh, was that then? You know, like, was that so long ago? You know, and that's the thing, is like, Spider- Spider-Man was all at July time. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so you had that around July, so, and then you're thinking, God, was that so long? Was that that long ago? You know, it's almost like going through your Facebook and going, oh, I did that this year, I did that this year? You know, but yeah, I think Black Panther, as like you say, would have to be put in there. Like, Ian, something we touched on was just like, Visually, this has to be one of Marvel's greatest achievements, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is nominated for like an Oscar for um, visuals because yeah. of how jaw dropping it is. It's not to say that the likes of other Marvel movies aren't, but whenever you see that the the beauty of Wakanda and things like that, it's just it's truly it's truly beautiful. Because I think it's another departure. For the MCU in terms yeah. of you know what you come to expect, that's going to be that's going to be this year what Captain Marvel is next year. I think because again, Captain Marvel like Black Panther is a, maybe a character that I don't know a lot of a lot about. You probably may not know an awful lot about, but it's nice to then get to know the characters in it very much like we did with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um, and getting to know those characters and getting to know other characters from expanded thing you know like likes of mantis and yondu and such like that so it'll be interesting to see how black panther was so hugely important to the african-american community as mm-hmm. well you know like people taking their classes of school to um to the cinema to watch it and it just like spoke volumes you know to that so it's important not just for marvel but for that community as well so that's a big Absolutely, absolutely, and it is. I wouldn't be overly shocked to see it get nominated for at least something at the Oscars. Yeah, visuals is a good shout. Um, musically, it's also a very different Marvel movie. Oh, totally, because yeah. it's got obviously the you know kind of African influences there, but kind of combined with kind of the style from America, rappers also mm-hmm. that sort of stuff in there. It's a really interesting combination of music and it probably has one of my favorite little pieces of marvel music to date so it's just the general kind of black panther fanfare that you get you know the kind of the trumpets when kind of wakanda gets first revealed Mm -hmm. it's really up there for me and of course then it does become such a key part of 
Avengers as well. Oh, so yeah. it kind of has that double importance yeah, as well. Especially whenever Thor arrives on Wakanda and then that's that music and then just everyone in the cinema kind of going, wow. Yeah. You know, and then with, uh, you know, like, I am... I am Groot. I'm Steve Rogers. Exactly. My friend, so. uh, Rabbit and Tree. <laughs> <laughs> sweet Rabbit. Sweet yeah. Rabbit. And for the second time since we've returned with Operation Retroshock, we've had a corrupt show, Chris. Well, it's not my fault. Um, I'm not the one who sets up the system. I'm not the one who deals with everything. I'm not the one who edits its stuff. So I think you'll find Chris. I you th- set the equipment up last time. I think you were dismissing me and just wanted to see me again, and then just do you go like, "Oh, Chris, listen to this," and it's just you in the background with a packet of crisps, crunching it. That's what I think it was. Um, but yes, unfortunately, everybody, the previous part of the recording of episode one thirty five kind of got a bit. Like Chris says, maybe almost like in a crisp packet or a fishbowl or something like that. It wasn't suitable for anyone listening with headphones especially. Yeah, exactly. Um, There was points where you probably could have got by listening to it, but there was just other points where I just would not have been happy at all uh, to put it out. Which is a shame because it was a really enjoyable recording that and... I'm not saying at all, everybody, that what you're going to hear now isn't going to be maybe as fun or as good as that recording was, but it is always a case of the first time you do something is always the freshest, and uh, everything kind of comes off the cuff and those sort of things. But Chris is pretty much going into this exactly fresh off the top of his head again. Yep. So he is. He's he's winging it. Um, I just made a note of the main things I talked about, but... We'll just dive into this again and okay. uh, go from there and goodness knows what else is going to come up along the way um, because there will probably be stuff that we forgot to say in the last recording that will now come up in this recording. But we hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Anybody, everybody, so let's get going, shall we? Yes. So we finished off in the previous recording that you just heard everybody talking about uh, Black Panther. Next up on my list was uh, Bohemian Rhapsody that came out not too long ago there this year starring Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. Now, I would thoroughly recommend this movie for anybody to go and see it. You just have to suspend your disbelief. Well, I would expect you to suspend your disbelief when you're going to the movies anyway. Mm -hmm. But... If you're a diehard Queen fan... Yeah, don't expect it to be a warts and all kind of documentary exactly. kind of thing. Um, so it will be it will be to do with Freddie Mercury and to do with Queen, but at the same time it'll be, as an old Jedi warrior said, uh, from a certain point of view. Exactly, so specifically of uh, you know, Brian May and so... Roger Taylor, And yeah. Roger Taylor. Um, they very much had a hand in what you end up seeing in this movie... And it's not the version that the likes of Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to uh, portray with the movie. Uh, he wanted to very much hit more upon the darker side of Freddy's life. And this is very much that kind of fantasy. I'm not going to say perfect version of the story. Slightly maybe more dramatised version of the story. Um, but you're not going to get that step into the really dark side of Freddy's life. There's a slight kind of hint of things often spiraling downhill a bit but it's not as dark as it possibly could basically think of this as you know 
over-dramatization of moments where they say there's there was conflict in the band when there really wasn't conflict in the band for movie sake um but yeah if you enjoy queen you're going to enjoy bohemian rhapsody like i did because just think that you're going to go hear some queen music for a couple of hours in the cinema really yeah with a lot of other kind of uh people that enjoy that but yeah it was it was really good now <clears throat> we said i think at least in the previous recording, that uh, because of when we were recording it, we had not yet seen Wreck-It Ralph 2, we had not yet seen Into the Spider-Verse, and we had not seen Creed 2. That is still pretty much the same for me. For you, all. yeah, yeah, for you. Um, but me being the cinema guy that I am, I went and saw all three of these in a weekend. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so I did. Um, and the... Fantastic Beast, Crimes of Grindelwald one as well. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about these, obviously, for fear of spoiling anything for Chris. But all, I, all I'm actually going to say here is Creed 2, very, very enjoyable. Um, still enjoy the first one better. Okay. But still a very, very good movie. I imagine that's probably the same for Wreck-It Ralph. Um, yes. Um, more so with Wreck-It Ralph. I see a lot of people coming out of Racket Ralph and saying they you know really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. yada yada yada. Um, maybe it's just the showing I saw of it, partly because there was loads of kids oh, in the showing as well, so you can get what I'm saying there. Loads of background noise and chatter and screaming and crying what? and stuff as well. Well, you should have been quiet then. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Um, that maybe contributed to it ever so slightly, oh, that well, my enjoyment level was down. Karen went to see it and she was in the cinema all by herself. Lucky, and, lucky uh, devil. <laughs> and uh, she came out and she said that she still prefers the first one over the second one. Definitely. I think what was jarring for me, at least, is, and I guess you can turn around and say, well, Alan, you should have expected this, is because it's shown clearly in the trailers, is the sheer kind of tangent they go on from what the first one was. Mm-hmm. First one being very video game orientated and stuff, whereas this is buying out into the internet. Felt like a huge advert. Okay. You're seeing Google, Twitter, Amazon, all these companies floating about in the background. But it did just feel it was missing that little something. And I think that was its video game roots. So that's what I'll say about that one. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Absolutely adored it. Really, really good movie. Did you stay towards the, the end of the credits? Oh, yes. Yeah. Possibly one of the best post-credit scenes ever. Okay. Uh, in a superhero movie, just fantastic. Not what you would expect at all. Okay. In a post-credit scene, um, really, really good. I think those sort of post-credit scenes would be an interesting way to go forward if a movie maybe doesn't have something that's going to contribute to the bigger story. Yeah. Like in a, in an MCU movie. Um, but yeah, visually, Into the Spider Verse was stunning. Like, really stunning. Like, they really hit upon... You felt like you were watching, like, a comic in motion. Um, the soundtrack was actually really, really good as well. The voice actors were brilliant. Um, Nicolas Cage being in there is really odd as well, <laughs> as, like, a noir Spider-Man. Um, and then the plot having twists and turns as well. I went into this pretty much dark bar scene the first trailer. Mm. And some of the story points, I was like, did not see that coming. Uh, so that's a pleasant surprise, especially for, I think maybe part of it was because you go into it and you think, 
oh, this is a cartoon. Yeah. You don't expect certain things to happen okay. in a cartoon. Um, but you shouldn't have that mind frame if you go to see this movie um, or eventually pick it up on Blu-ray or digital or whatever. Okay. Um, just think of it as it's on level story-wise with an MCU or whatever movie, but it just so happens to be in cartoon. Okay. But yes, thoroughly would recommend. It has to be up there as one of the best Spider-Man movies, if not the best. Oh, that's, that's, high praise. That's, that's definitely something to say. So, anything else you want to say about movies, Chris, before we move on to TV? No, because I haven't seen any other new movies, so... Um... No. You were no. all Avengers, Solo, Black Panther, etc. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty much the big hitters, and that was a bit basically about it. And your first TV show is Chris for 2018. Well, you see, with 2018, there's obviously shows that aired before that, and then you may have sat and watched. So a big TV show for me was Designated Survivor mm-hmm. that I got into this year, and then obviously whenever Lucifer and stuff got cancelled, then this was one that fell through that um, floor and then was cancelled and then was brought back by, I can't remember what studio it was, but it's going to be on Netflix and stuff, but it's going to be 12 episodes instead of 23 or 24, very much like they did with 24 or whenever they did a series of it. I think it was the one set in London and it was 12 episodes in 24. Starring John Boyega? Uh, yes, that's right. Um, that is correct. And Stephen Fry as the Prime Minister. God, how I wish for him right about now. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, John Boyega is in it. Um, funny enough, I was watching Only Fools and Horses today, and the guy who played uh, the waiter was um, a Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. Wow! So I was like, oh, it's Nicholas Courtney. Um, but yeah, um, Designated Survivor was as close to twenty four as you'll get without it being twenty four. It's one of those ones that if you go like, oh, I'll watch an episode of this, once you get the end of it, there's a huge twist, and you're like, oh, I need to see what happens. So I think um, Jason Manford said that if you're wanting to watch these kind of things, you finish yourself halfway through, so that way you're not left on a cliffhanger. You can go back to it and go like, oh, that's what happened. All right, okay. And then you see it that way. My biggest miss for this year would definitely be The Walking Dead. That's me. Mm, yeah. Like many fans, that's me done with Walking Dead. Um, I'd seen the video things to do with this season and nothing of it interested me at all whenever one episode was set about a piece of fruit missing and that was basically what it was centered around i was like no that's that's me done the first episode of it was good and the mid-season finale was all right and then the season finale was dreadful so no um i would say that that would be a big big miss for me and it's not one that i want to go back to um, whereas a couple other ones we'll get on to in a minute, but obviously the big one that you would probably would say would be Game of Thrones. Yes, uh, Game of Thrones uh, can be covered any year pretty much for the last, what, guts of a decade now, and it's definitely going to be something we'll probably be bringing up in our, uh, you know, things we're looking forward to in 2019 episode. Yeah. Um, and it's just Game of Thrones basically like watching a mini-movie every week, Yes. Uh, and you're um, always guaranteed of something happening that's like, you know, oh my God, were they? With the calibre of actors <coughs> in it as well, um, with the likes of Gwendolyn Christie, um, Kit Harrington, like at certain points, Jason Momoa, etc. Um, it's just, it is one of those ones that you're not going, you could feel the chemistry between them all and it's not a case of you looking going like, he's a really bad actor or... Why is she in it? Why is he in it? Or whatever. You're certain you're going to have your characters like Cersei, who you absolutely hate, 
but you hate them because of like I've heard things of Lena Headey saying whenever people have come up to her at conventions and say like you're an absolute bitch and mm-hmm. I hate you and they'd be like she's done her job right yeah you absolutely know, it's yeah, like, 100% it's like a wrestler become, becoming a heel and becoming hated and being you know like swore out of the street he doesn't expect it because or it's not warranted but it's because he's doing such a good portrayal of that character me a wee bit of Chris Jericho in recent years Remember this sort of I think it was a few, it's a few years ago now when he was at the, oh, the of being a heel and the, getting the bank manager kind of look. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was getting you know, shouted at and physically you know, shoved and other things when he was out in the streets and all. Something that you don't see nowadays too much when it comes to wrestling. No. So you don't uh maybe back in the heyday of the eighties and the independence back then sort of thing. Um I think one I'm going to have to bring up now, and at the time we originally talked about this, um, it was still probably in, let's say, the better side of things. Okay. But there's something I'm going to eventually say that will probably surprise you. Okay. And that is Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Now, have you watched the whole season? Well, I'm all up to date on it, yeah. Well, here's the surprising fact. I still not watched the last two episodes. You... Right, I'm trying to think. Oh, I know it. Because I know I've it. not been drawn and pulled. Like, I must watch this. Okay. Um, this episode was... It didn't end on a big cliffhanger. And to be honest with you, it was very anticlimactic. Um, if I could say that right. And the the teaser for next week gave away even less for the New Year's Day special. Yeah. Um. It's just the doctor saying some words, and then it just goes. Poof. Um. That's that's. I think that's the key thing that has maybe came out of this season, uh, of Doctor. Sorry, I'm, I'm. That's the thing is that I'm trying to remember what the week before's was, and that's terrible. The fact that I can't even remember what the weeks before was. Yeah. Oh yes, I remember now. I remember now. Again, honestly, uh, you're not really missing much. Yeah, it really seems like past the first maybe three, four, three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. The first three or four episodes, it's taken a bit of a nosedive. Yeah, I would um, totally agree with you there. Which is a real shame. I did not think I'd be sitting here at this time of year, heading into the holiday period. You know, with a holiday special coming up, New Year special, not having still watched the final two episodes of Doctor Who, it's never, it's never happened. Do you think that me? obviously now we're not after New Year's, we're not going to get a, a, any more Doctor Who for another year? Do you think this is something that's going to really harm it, or do you think this is something that could really help it? I was planning to bring that up, so yeah, it's that really baffles me mm-hmm. that we're not getting a full series of Doctor Who to 2020 again. Now, it seems now to be becoming the complete and utter norm with the BBC Yeah, that it's, oh, here you go, you get a season and now you have to wait another year and a bit to uh, get another one. I just, I don't get the BBC's logic mm. with this. You know, they were building up to this season of Doctor Who. Whether this season of Doctor Who was a hit or, you know, divisive or rubbish you had a momentum of building up and saying this is a new era of Doctor Who you know 13th Doctors Jodie Whittaker you've got a whole team in the TARDIS 
you would try and keep the momentum going. Yeah. Because you've now got to a point where, right, okay, you've come to the end of a season where it does seem, on the most part, people are like, you didn't really nail it here, folks. Mm. Would you not want to, as either a showrunner or the BBC or whoever, dive as dive back in as quickly as possible, get the next season out, and write that problem? Yeah, you don't you don't want to leave a sour taste in people's mouth for too long because the more time goes on, either you're forgotten or you're remembered, but you're remembered not fondly. Whereas if you were to go like, okay, there's no Doctor Who until the summertime, that's five or six months. And then once you start it then. But I think this all stems from whenever Moffat fecked about with it all. Um, was that he was busy writing Doctor Who and then going write Sherlock and then going yeah. write other stuff. And that's whenever it really... Because it wasn't like that with Russell T. Davies. You got every year. You got a bang on every year. Same and time I, every year. I still don't understand the why we're missing... The first time in 13 years we're missing this Christmas special. Mm. You know, like, and that's one thing that you know was it that bad that they couldn't do a, even a two-parter like they did with End of Time and yeah. do like a Christmas special and the end of you know like a New Year special I, I, whenever you've got infinite possibilities I mean I could say that but I'm not a writer but yeah. then again I don't get paid the right so that's it but whenever your job is a writer You've got other people to go, for, you know, like to say, like, here's an idea, right? Why don't we try this? Why don't we revisit some of the other stuff? Why don't we do a crossover with another doctor and something like that? Absolutely. You know, but, um, I think one of the big things that has been missing from this was one, you know, like one of the old baddies. Now, apparently the Daleks are going to be in the New Year's Day special. Oh, right. But not having the likes of, say, a Cyberman. Uh, an ice warrior, uh, a Zygon, even yeah. or, uh, Ood, you know, like some like little throwback. But some of the monsters and some of the stories have been pretty forgettable. Like, like I said, I couldn't even remember what happened last week. The week before the finale, like and put it this way, I think Hansel and Gretel, um, but Hansel and Gretel with um, uh, you know, like through the looking glass kind oh, of thing. Yeah, oh dear, oh dear, that's the best way to describe it. But yeah, in regards to the whole year's break, there seems to be rumours of flying that there's a reason behind it, you know, that there's a plan of something to happen. Because I think it's the way it's been phrased that the Doctor will return for a full season in 2020. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to get a wee bit of a tenant situation here where we might get... Oh, like an, an Easter, Easter special? or okay. a summer or something like that. I don't know because I was trying to. I was like, wait, is there any anniversaries coming up here or something that we yeah. get another day of the Doctor sort of yeah. situation? I was like, oh no, wait, that was this year mm-hmm. was the fifty fifth yeah. anniversary. So if it was going to happen, it would have been this year. Um, but it does seem very very odd. I think the key thing to take away from this, at least, is the fingers seem to be getting pointed mainly at Chibnall. Mm-hmm. Not at Jodie and not at the other actors. To be honest with you, out of all them, Jodie and Bradley Walsh are the only two, and I suppose the girl, but the guy who plays Ryan, I find him very blasé. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, his mannerisms are all very, yeah, but why'd you go do that? And then the hands are in the pockets up here and it's just very samey. Whereas I find the other three, I, I think if they were to do next year or tw- the next Doctor Who series without him, 
and bring somebody else in. I, in my opinion, I think it'll be stronger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the good thing at least is that people like Jodie mm-hmm. in the role and have enjoyed Jodie in the role because I definitely have. Um, but it's definitely, I hope they use this year to reassess yeah. kind of the direction they go with stories. Yeah, so I think they, they need to. Um, our own Flash, and obviously to bring up, we've talked about the previous seasons Have you this watched year. the crossovers? I have watched the crossovers. Now, we won't dive too deep into I haven't I'm watched, sure we'll talk about that in the season watched, review. I haven't, oh, I haven't watched the latest one. Oh, the wa- third part? I haven't watched the third oh, part. Oh, right. I've okay. got up to the part okay. where... Um, uh, another Barry Allen comes in yes. and goes like, you know, where's your ring? Yes, yes. You know, and that, and I was like, oh. I initially completely did not twig at that moment. I was just like, because I was watching it like at 11 o'clock at night and was like, you know, half asleep at the time. Mm. And I completely missed it. And then rewatched it again in the morning. And I was like, oh, right. No, don't get me wrong. I thought it was a very hilarious crossover I like some of the stuff they did mm-hmm. in it you know the fact that you know it's like a freaky Friday or it's a quantum leap or yeah. a quantum leap could be in the mirror you know that kind of thing but um, the the teasers that they had for like obviously the book and all that kind of stuff I wanted to see more of that yeah you know so obviously I don't know if I see that in Supergirl one or not but um, again it's good that Legends has kind of been omitted from that. Yeah. Um. So I've just... From uh, having watched all three, there really logically would have been no reason to have the Legends in yeah. this story anyway. Plus for them being in the likes of the time stream and all, they're kind of kept a wee bit safer from any changes that happen. Okay. Um, having watched all three, I would probably say the third part is the weakest of the three. Okay. Not terribly. Yeah. You know, worse than the other two or anything like that. There are some very fun and interesting moments throughout it. And uh, a little nod to the old Superman movie. Yes, because I did like that whenever they went to... There was a couple of things, like one of them that made me go, oh, was whenever they went to Smallville and they played the theme, the theme music. Tune. That made me just, like, I was just so happy with that. And then it was also, the actual farm as well. Yeah, I just thought that was such a nice nod. And then whenever they're in Arkham and you see, like, all the names and the doors, um, I thought that was really... Cobblepot. Yeah, I thought, that was, I thought that was a really I, nice I thought it was well. very funny. It was a good tease that Oliver, as the Flash quickly goes and puts them all back in the cells so you don't actually see them mm-hmm. you know it's, you're just kind of sitting there ah drat yeah um, but so far on the whole of course we'll go into everything in depth when we eventually do a season review for these I do think uh, it's fair to say that when we do CW season reviews in the next year it will probably only be our own flash I think you're right um, because I think it's fair to say you've definitely fell out of Legends and totally. I've definitely fell out of Supergirl mm-hmm. um, mind from some of the stuff that Supergirl's been saying in the crossover I was like you know what I'll probably I'm going to go and try again okay. sort of thing just to see what she was kind of hinting at like because mm-hmm. there's a part where she was just sitting talking to Clark right, and asking for his advice and I was like what are you asking advice about <laughs> tell me <laughs> um, but what have you thought about Arrow and Flash on the whole so far um, I've definitely preferred Arrow over Flash. Um, I, like I always have done, but um, I think with Flash, uh, I don't know what it is, but it seems to be all 
it's always it's always the same kind of formula. You know, it's like Barry's in trouble. Iris says something, and then he's like, "Oh, and run, he, Barry, run!" And then he does it. You know, like, and then that almost the same things happen to his daughter now. Um, but I do like a little twist yeah. to do with that, so I'm interested to see where that goes. But Arrow, um, I like the fact that you know, like, he was in jail for a good. Absolutely. It wasn't a case of he was in jail and then they got him out, but it was more based around him. And then you saw more of a different character thing of Felicity as well. Yeah. Uh, and a different kind of side to the different Laurel. Um, and just how things had changed since he was unmasked as the Green Arrow. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. As, there's been a couple of episodes where it's like, oh, I'm not too fond on that one or whatever. Like the whole flash forward mm-hmm. instead of flash back now. Yeah. Is a bit weird at times, you know, Um but no, I've in, for the most part I've enjoyed them. Uh, obviously, I would say that Arrow would be the first if I had them all downloaded. Then it would be Arrow, Flash, Supergirl. Would oh be yeah, how I would watch them. Um, but yeah, Supergirl is just one I keep watching because I think if I don't watch it, then in the crossover if something's mentioned, but like, I have no idea what that means. I know. You know so. I think that's the sort of thing. Is that was part of why I had always kept watching Supergirl mm-hmm. was because like when the crossover comes, I'll know everything. Yeah. And I got that feeling then when mm-hmm. the crossover happened, when she's talking to Clark and asking for advice. I'm just like, what's this about? You know, was sort of thing I felt in the dark. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm very much a Flash guy when it comes to CW uh, Arrowverse. But I would very much agree that so far this season, I feel Arrow has been the stronger yeah. of the two. I have definitely 100% enjoyed the dynamic of having uh, Nora now in the Flash, having his daughter there. And it definitely looks at least... I haven't been overly fussed too much on the big bad. I haven't been too. Had. Have been too much fussed on Sherlooked either. I've not been made. I think this is just him doing another character, and it's like I don't need that. I don't. I, I don't need that. No, so I don't. Um, I haven't really been too fussed on the big bad, but I think based on what happens at the end of, well, the previous episode before the crossover. Mm-hmm. I think this looks like this is going to be the point where we're going to really kick on into the second half of the yeah, season yeah. and things are kind of going to go from sort of middle mm-hmm. right up away. Yeah. Because I think that was the thing that I enjoyed and over diving in and which probably really mm-hmm. shouldn't but with the Flash's 100th episode anytime uh, Tom Cavanaugh was on screen as reverse Flash I'm fixed. You yeah. know I'm sucked in. He is so... Electric with that character well, playing off Grant. Even, even on in the crossover, whenever you saw Merlin and Reverse Flash, but you saw them with different people. Yes, that was very cool to see. Absolutely, absolutely. But completely agree about Arrow. My main worry heading into the season was that it was going to be Barry be out of jail within one episode. Yeah, if if even. Um, but they kept him in there for pretty much. The entire first part of the the season, mm-hmm. uh, only getting them out here towards the end. There, It'll, it's intriguing to see where the dynamic between him and Felicity will go. Yeah, because uh, they definitely seem to be playing that up both in current timeline and those flash forwards, as to you know Felicity maybe going you know About, yeah. on the dark side of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but we'll just have to see when everything comes back in January. Unfortunately. Oh well, it's not too long. To it's wait, not yeah. too far. It's not too far, at least. Um, 
Moving on then, I've just got a couple of others that I'll quickly uh, speed through, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> with that one. Um, the latest season of House of Cards on Netflix, uh, obviously the absence of Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. in that one, after uh, all the kind of dramas that were going on in his personal life and others. Um, really, really good season of the show, you do get Claire, his wife, in the show, um, who's now the president, kind of acknowledging to you that I know you're I know you're missing him. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. The character he plays, Frank. Yeah. yeah. They go in, they don't shy away from it, basically. Okay. That the character's no longer there now. And there's very there's moments that are very kind of almost fourth wall break. All right. As in, you know, you know, we're free of him now and, you know, you're going to have to live with us and accept this and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's a bit of a weird one, but really enjoyable show. It's nice to see uh, Robin Wright getting, you know, the lead Yeah, throughout the entire season. But for this being billed as the last season of the show, they actually leave it fairly open at the end. Okay. So who knows? Maybe Netflix are waiting to see what exactly happens uh, with the numbers. With Netflix, you can't really predict anything yeah. right now, which kind of nicely leads on to Daredevil. Um, and kind of more stuff has come to light with Daredevil in recent weeks since we last recorded uh, together. Um, we talked about it in our news uh, episode when it was announced that Daredevil was cancelled. Mm-hmm. It does seem that Netflix has a two-year clause in their contracts with Marvel that nobody else can pick the characters up oh, on, yeah. on TV or streaming or whatever. Apparently the Dis- Disney say they're not interested in them and then that could spell doom for the Defenders. But then the Punisher's second series meant to be coming on in January. So it will be announced as cancelled mid-January then. Yeah. Pretty much. I think it's fair to say you're going to see the rest of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows go uh, by the wayside. But yeah, it was a fantastic season of Daredevil. It really makes it even more of a shame that it it has been cancelled and there's the potential now that it's looking that we either won't see these actors portray these characters again or it will be a considerable amount of time before we see them portray mm-hmm. these characters again. But in this world of TV, movies and Hollywood, you never say never. No. So you don't. And moving on to video games then of 2018, Chris, give me your first video game that has stood out to you in 2018. Well, there's quite a few of them, um, but for me, one that I picked up on a whim and played and completed within 24 hours was uh, Let's Go Pikachu. Um, not like I was playing it for 24 hours straight, let me just say, it's not Fortnite. Uh, don't play Fortnite, kids. It's poop. Um, but yeah, but I, I picked it up because in work we were doing a thing that if you, if you played it before a certain date, you got £35 credit for it and I only paid 40 for it. So not too bad then. Essentially it was like £5 for like a rental of it. And to be honest, I'm going to look at the videos and stuff. I really didn't like the fact that you saw the monsters sitting around everywhere, but in, in actually playing the game, it became a godsend because... There's only so much of times you want to catch a Zubat or a Caterpie or, you know, like a Geodude or whatever. So 
you want to try and avoid those ones. So whenever you see, like, say, uh, Porygon was one that I saw. I went to go catch it and couldn't catch it. Fero, for some reason, was ha- harder to catch than Articuno was. Wow. Fero, okay. yeah. That was the hardest <laughs> Pokemon I had to catch was Fero. Um, I also did transfer across my Pokemon from... Go? Yeah, from Go into it. But the bad thing is, is that you put that in the Safari and then you have to go and catch them again. Oh dear. So you move 50 across, you have to get 50 plus Pokeballs to try and catch the one. And probably will be 50 plus Pokeballs with the catching dynamic yeah, in this game. because then if you have, like, say, a 184 Squirtle, for example, that's going to be, like, level 10. Yeah. They're going to be really, really low levels. I mean, I did have the likes of... Um, really high level Snorlax but I'd already caught two in the wild at that stage um, it was cool because whenever you got the Snorlax you know the way what you have to do is you have to make him faint Yeah. and then once you do that then you throw the Pokeball so that's what you have to do with the legendaries because you're always worried about you know like where the wee red line is do I do a move or do I throw a ball and then you like you do a move and then it dies and you have to reload your save and everything. to me that was part of the fun of the originals oh yeah yeah but this is certainly a lot more benefit. Certainly, a lot more beautiful uh, this way. You know, like for kids, um, the likes of Gary and your like other rival um, are very different. The mannerisms of them, yeah. um, they, they don't seem to be as cocky. Yeah, but I think they've maybe toned that down because everything now is. Just, you know, like if you say the word pants, you know, somebody will get offended with it or something like that. So I think that's... I'm very dare you say pants. I call them trousers. Oh, right, I see. Um, But you see, I think it's just the way that they're trying to, you know, like make sure because like there's more youngsters playing this now. I think it's just trying to show them but you know like you could still win but you can win with dignity kind of yeah because there's like there is there's the little things that have been changed because obviously let's go pikachu and let's go eevee are based on the original gen 1 game specifically more so yellow yeah uh, Mm -hmm. than anything so there was little things i noticed in the story where there's been little bits of dialogue and other things that have been changed like you say the character of Gary is extremely different he still Mm -hmm. says things like smell you later and those yeah but he is not this absolute um, what can I say without being uh, derogatory towards him um, he was a bit unfriendly so and so yeah let's go for that let's go for that um, he just wasn't nice to you no at all whatsoever whereas in this you know he heals your Pokemon and he's nice and he gives you items and all these different things and kind of wishes you well and all yeah. because the way this is kind of works in this game is yes it is based in that gen one time period but it does seem that gary and then of course red Mm. uh, or ash if you think of it in anime terms have already started their journey and they're well away in being successful pokemon trainers and then you're coming in behind and starting your journey um i really like the whole getting to see the Pokemon now mm-hmm. when you're out and roaming about. I think that's a fantastic thing that I'd say I'd be shocked if that isn't carried over to the Gen 8 game that's okay. coming out next year. Um, I like that in the sense that it opens up things, as you say, for younger uh, kids playing the game. If they particularly like a certain Pokemon, then they don't have to go through yeah. you know, 
millions and millions of encounters to get the Pokemon they And the good want. thing is, is I, I got like a level 40-odd Squirtle, and once he leveled up, he then evolved into War Turtle, and once he leveled up again, then he evolved into Blastoise. So. Yeah. Um, it also makes it extremely accessible for folks who, like me, have never really been into this whole going and catching Pokemon for competitive battling, you know, to get good stats and all yeah. those different things. Or getting shiny Or ones. overly shiny hunting. I did have a shiny Eevee that I caught in Sainsbury's. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice it just, just looked like she was, Eevee was a little bit pale. Didn't look shiny, it just looked like she was sick. But with this game, I have got more involved in that because... Mm-hmm. If you're shiny hunting, the whole thing about shiny hunting in this game is you build up your catch combo, so you catch X amount of uh, the same Pokemon over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think you have to get 32, and then you're at your maximum rate of potentially encountering a shiny. But the more you catch, the better stats, potentially, the Pokemon that you there catch thereafter oh, okay. have. So if you want a shiny Pokemon, but that also has really, really good stats, mm-hmm. keep catching beyond that, so you but usually in that process of you catching all those Pokemon on your hunt for the shiny, you get one that has these ridiculously amazing statistics that yeah. you just never would have seen in the older games because there's this, what is it, judge feature or something in it as well. So it completely opens up another avenue, not only for younger kids coming into the game with getting to see their Pokemon, but then it opens up another avenue for the more experienced and older player mm-hmm. with the game. But yeah, definitely a pleasant surprise, and visually, it's beautiful. Oh yeah. And it's a nice kind of glimpse into the potential of the next game that's coming down the line. Uh, A game I'm going to mention here is God of War. Boy. Boy. Um, Did you see that at the Game Awards? The guy, I've actually met the guy who voiced um, Kratos. Oh really? Chris Judge, I met him this year, but I met him because he did the voice for Zodak and He-Man. Ah. So he, they were like doing the Game Awards thing and then the, guy, the wee kid was struggling with the thing and he went, read it boy. <laughs> but he did it in that voice and the wee kid's like. <laughs> uh, but no, God of War. God of War never played the original games uh, from past PlayStation generations. I have the one that was recently released on like the PS Plus. Oh, the third one, the remastered one. The remastered one. So I'll probably play that eventually at some stage. But... I think this definitely, for me, is Game of the Year. And I think that was reflected mm-hmm. at the Game Awards. So it was as well. Because I remember the night after all I saw was all these congratulatory tweets going off to uh, Santa Monica, who developed the game. But it's just a lot of different things. Again, I've probably said, I've said this a few times this episode. Visually stunning. Mm-hmm. It really gets you know everything out of the, the PS4 in terms of graphics. There's... As, well, we mentioned the last time we recorded this about kind of the nice sneaky trick of there's no cutscenes yeah. and loading screens. Yeah. You can kind of spot where they're bending the rules, but it's still really well done. And, you know, you don't get pulled out of the story by this big black loading screen with like a wee timer in the bottom left hand corner. And you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs going, right, can I get back to my story, please? Yeah, or how do I skip this? Exactly. Um, but no, the story is the strongest feature of this game. The gameplay is fantastic, of course, but it's the story that is so strong. You know, Kratos goes from being this very, well, I'm not going to say he's still not an angry man come the, <laughs> the end of the game or whatever, but 
he's a man with his son and you can very clearly tell he is not in the frame of mind really to be a parent. He doesn't know how to communicate with a child, Boy. those sort of things. And uh, that whole uh, you know, relationship with his son grows and develops throughout the game. And uh, it kind of just builds to the end of the game where it just reaches kind of an emotional peak. Uh, that's not a joke because they actually are on a mountain <laughs> um, towards the end of the game but no it is fantastic I would recommend anybody to check that out I would have to say that another one for me would be Spider-Man mm-hmm. I like the fact that once you've mentioned a Playstation exclusive I've mentioned a Playstation <laughs> exclusive and we've mentioned a Nintendo exclusive as well um, but Spider-Man for me was the reason why I got a PS4 Pro um, I just thought graphically it was outstanding I love Stanley's cameo in it. I thought it was brilliant, um, but just the whole story and just the whole it was it was fun. It was what we all wanted from a Spider-Man game: just to swing around New York, you know, find like little things like the Ghostbusters firehouse, Jessica Jones's, you know, like where she Gilly's works. Yeah, uh, I find um, the Embassy of Wakanda and things like that. But it's just like little nuggets like that. But just being able to swing around like Grand Theft Auto with Spider-Man was just. Uh, it was just a great fun to play. Fair enough, it was a little bit short on the short side. Right. Um, I haven't finished it, like, but um, from what I understand, it was very short. Um, but obviously, had the DLC stuff to do with like Black Cat and then a couple other ones, but I have no idea what. You they have to were. raise the debate then. Really, could that have been part of the full game then? Because that was all planned out well oh, ahead of course, time. Yeah, but then that's the thing now is that with all these expansion passes and stuff, I really wish it was just like. Like the Super Nintendo days, you pay for a game, you get the game. Yeah, it's not like you see you pay the game. You know, like you look at say um, Assassin's Creed. Yes. You know, you're paying fifty quid for the game, and then you're paying thirty three pound for an expansion pass, or you're paying near a hundred quid in the game. Yeah, it's quite ridiculous. It is crazy. Now I still haven't played Spider Man yet. I'm looking forward to playing it. Oh, um, you'll you'll enjoy it. It's probably going to be one that'll end up getting played a good bit over Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So well. Um, listen to our Christmas episode next week everybody thank you very much uh, where we talk about these sort of things um, but yeah you mentioned it there as well Assassin's Creed um, it is a game that I definitely think at least yes it's like here's £50 for the main game and 30 whatever pounds for the DLC or whatever now I haven't bought the DLC yet and don't intend on dropping the money just yet I'm holding out and hope that maybe in the, you know, the January sales with Sony they might do kind of like this mad sort of 30% off or 40% off sort of okay. thing on a lot of stuff across the store and okay. I'd probably buy it then. Um, but yeah, Assassin's Creed's kind of DLC is going, like you said, with Spider-Man. It seems to be going very episodic. Mm-hmm. They're doing free ones every wee while, but then they're also doing the bigger chunked ones, which are the you know the cough up your money for sort of ones. But I definitely feel I've got uh, my money's worth out of Assassin's Creed Odyssey so far. Story-wise, I'm only on chapter three. Okay. Um, but I've played 70 hours of the game. Mm-hmm. I've uncovered probably, I would probably go for about between seven and eight-tenths of the map. Okay. So I have, and I've just been doing like side quests and exploring and all those things. So before I even dive back into the story, I feel I've got my money's worth out of the game because I've just enjoyed exploring around ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, 
it's one that's kind of taken a back burner uh, for me as well because I got Spiral Reignited Trilogy there not too long ago, uh, which I've been playing pretty regular. Uh, Spiral 1 is completed, platinumed, etc. And I'm now on Spiral 2. And it's... I've always had this concrete memory of Spiral 1 mm-hmm. from way back when. And I remember little things with Spiral 2. So it's been more... You know, rediscovering those things with Spyro yeah. 2. Um, obviously, I haven't played Part 3 yet because I haven't got to that. I'm doing it properly in order. Okay. But no, it's it's another one that, again, seeing its upgrading graphics is amazing. Oh, yeah. In yeah, comparison yeah. to, you know, the PS1. That's, that's kind of some upgrade uh, to see there. The controls, if you've ever played old Spyro games, you'll be able to just pick it straight up and dive straight back in. It all feels exactly the same. Which is amazing when the likes of this, these was Toys for Bob, I think they're called, who developed it, had to basically rewrite it from scratch. Okay. So they, you know they visually went out, played the original games and made notes, mm-hmm. but they still had to recreate everything. I suppose that's the deal with the like the analog sticks and things like that too. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, I'm gonna finish up at least for me, uh, with one final Nintendo one that I enjoyed, and that's Captain Toad. Uh, treasure tracker on uh, the switch okay yes mainly a port from the wii u version of the game with a few extras in there i think was that there's some levels from like mario odyssey in there instead right of like uh, mario bros deluxe but just one of those wii games that would be one that you could definitely play on like your holidays yeah if you're going away be it on a flight or a trip in the back of the car or whatever it may be because it's all these like little levels that are like little nuggets you could be through a level in you know three or four minutes yeah if you really wanted to but if you want to dive into that level a wee bit more find all the little secrets the secret mushrooms or diamonds or whatever they yeah. were i can't remember exactly you can spend a bit more time in the levels and there's always usually like a secret technique that you have to do like don't cross the bridge Sort of thing because the bridge will collapse. Oh, okay. Sort of thing, so you have to find your way around without already walking over said bridge right. and having a collapse and all. So those little things. It's a really neat wee game, in my opinion. Any final games you want to mention? Um, one that I'll mention, but I've only really played briefly, is Super Smash Brothers. Okay. Um. Because that's one that when we first did this, we didn't really have any yeah, say in the, the matter. The spirit mode, which is the one where you unlock the characters, can be very samey. It's nowhere near as fun as the embassy mode from Brawl. Like yeah. Nowhere near, because you basically have a map. You go around the map, and then there's like little wee swirly brown things. Sounds like poo. And then you go up to it, and then it'll tell you, you know, like what spirit you're fighting and what character you're fighting. Yeah. But there's only certain bigger characters. Like at the minute, I've only unlocked because you start as Kirby, so I've unlocked quite right. I've unlocked <laughs> Mario, the Villager, Lucario, and Yoshi was the last one I right. unlocked. But then this is how you get them into the main game as well. And then obviously you have to unlock the Prana Plant, which is easy done because you just register your um thing on the. Register software to get your coins, and then that gives you a code for the um, Piranha Plant. So you have to play the story mode to unlock the character. That isn't like in previous Smash where you could do like what was it? You know the kind of the way it was always like ten levels, yeah, sort of thing. And I then... don't, I don't think so. But this has always been my way of doing it. But right. then there's so 
you know, you'll get to a point and then you'll have, either have to go left, straight on, or right. Mm-hmm. And then the way you go... So, like, I had a choice between three characters, but I picked the villager because yeah. I like that. I like, it, you know, the villager. But it's... Especially on the tablet mode, it's hard to get the grips with doing the moves and stuff. So it's a lot... E- I found it a lot easier with the pro controller. Okay. Like it really did. But it's a certain part where, say, like, Kirby and you have his mallet. Say you go to hit Bowser, if Bowser's um, gauge is up like near 100, then it'll like stop and then you just see him flying off. But it's like some big move can just like, like there were so many times that I had to try and beat, who was it? Oh, it was the villager and Isabel, there was like about three or four of them. But you're on the original Mario level, but it's like going across. Oh, keep so moving. So you have to try and then hit them out without, you know, like falling in the hole or getting like left behind or whatever. <clears throat> but visually, it's stunning. <clears throat> but it's certainly one of the most expensive games for the Switch. Um, recommend retail price for it, 60 quid. Wow. Then you have the expansion pass for twenty two ninety nine. Then you also have the GameCube adapter, which yes. unless you have the um, special edition, or yeah, whatever it the was. actual collect, the actual they were going to bring it out separately, but they had issues with it, so it's delayed till May. Wow. Okay. So May. loads of GameCube controllers and stuff. No GameCube adapter. So unless you uh, have the money to cough up, or if you have the Wii U version of the Smash Brothers, that works. So friend at work he actually bought the collector's edition and he's giving me his uh gamecube adapter thing which so is very kind. nice yeah so kind. but they do, they do have the likes of the wave bird ones you know the actually have one i know there, the, the wireless yeah. ones they actually have that as well which i think would be a lot handier if you don't want to stump up the money for a pro controller that's like i think it's 30 quid cheaper right okay cool so it's easier to do it that way Alrighty then, so let's round this thing out then. Okay. So we will, and we will talk about our favourite event that we've been to in 2018. So, lead away, Chris. Oh, it definitely has to be uh, London Film Comic Con 2018. This, for me, is my WrestleMania of conventions. Um, This was, for me, like WrestleMania 30 was, whereas where it peaked, you know, meeting David Tennant, meeting Matt Smith, meeting the likes of Tom Welling, you know, like meeting so many different people that you never thought you would get to meet. Um, David Tennant has always been like Hogan has been in wrestling, being my um, top guy that I've wanted to meet. And I was totally blessed that I got the chance to meet him for my autograph and my photograph, which I just absolutely adore. And plus, Plus the fact I made it more special that everyone that I went with got to meet him too. You know, like, so we all have photos outside the TARDIS, you know, like, and they're all really nice photos, so that's good. Um, But, you know, a couple of years ago, whenever I went to, I met, like, Bennett Cumberbatch and things like that. I went really, you know, like, because I didn't go to Philadelphia, I was like, you know, if there's somebody I want to meet, I want to meet him. So I would go ahead and do that. And then I would get, like, autographs, whereas this one was very David Tennant, Matt Smith. um, God, I think they were the only two, like, big ones that I planned to get autographs from. You met James as well, didn't you? Um, I got a photograph from him, yeah. My sister only knew him from Elf, um, (laughs) which is hilarious. Um... Not the Godfather. And then I met, like, um, Tom Von Lawler, who played Ebony Maw, and got him to sign a comic for a good friend, 
uh, Rory Bradfield, um, and he'd never seen the comic before, so he got to sign that. And there were still like so many other people that you got to meet, like Jeff Jarrett. Well, Jeff Jarrett was the only other one I got an autograph from, and Pearl Mackey and Tom Welling, but they were part of the Diamond Pass. Um, but Jeff Jarrett was the only one I could give up, give my twenty quid to. Um, but yeah, that would be definitely the most. Like I've been in the fight forever there last week and met like Cody Rhodes and Flip Gordon and things like that, which was good. But this will always be, you know, like I look at that autograph there and I always think, wow, I've I've met the guy I've yeah. wanted to, you know, like and the only other one that would come close to that would be Kiefer Sutherland. But I don't know whether you know or not, but Mike gifted me that, oh, wow. which is personalized to me from Kiefer Sutherland nice and created. So... I have that, so thank you, Mike, for that. Um, but the only other one that would come close would be someone called Steve Austin. He would Definitely. be one that if they were doing like an inside the ropes, that kind of thing, I would love to meet. Um, I don't know whether I would pay that amount of money like they do for that's, the Undertaker that's the one. That's you know, the problem, I mean, that Tenant's thing was 200 and, 210 quid for yeah. an autograph and photograph, but whenever it's that guy you've, you've wanted to meet for yeah. so long, you, you pay it because... I don't know if I'm going to get a chance. And then that, that for me is that me, that's me done with conventions for a little while now because A, it costs too much because you're not just doing that, you're doing your flights, you're doing your hotel. Like Stressful as well. Booking the hotel for next year, I booked that after this year I'd finished. So for 2019, for four nights was 430 quid. And then you're paying your 150, 100 odd quid flights then you're spending your money for this. Then you're spending money for your food. I mean, you can near enough get a wee trip to America for all that, you know. So and you, or you could get something two, three weeks in Spain if you wanted a bit of sunshine. You yep. know, sort of thing. Yeah. It's, so it's um, we have expensive tastes. Yeah, but it's knowing when to put the nail on the head and say, right, let's leave that. Take a wee break. <laughs> let's leave that for a while and let's just take a break from, you know. I know fine rightly that this year they'll announce somebody like Jodie Whittaker and be like, oh, well. I've seen but, every other doctor that I can. But I've I've made my peace knowing that I'm going to Super Strong Style next year. Um, and that'll be something that we'll talk about on the next episode anyway. Um, but yeah, so what about you then? What... I know you don't do conventions, so what would have been the best wrestling show that you've been to in 2018 yeah, well, then? Again, you've mentioned hitting the nail on the head. You hit it on the head there. It would definitely be wrestling would be my kind of big standout event uh, of 2018. Mainly, of course, OTT shows uh, from over here. Their main kind of arena shows that they do every few months, besides obviously their smaller shows that they do uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um it's been one of those very interesting and odd years because as we kind of have discussed on the show, the uh, the shape and landscape of independent wrestling in the UK and beyond is well and truly getting shook up. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. with <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Funny that he's there in the background, um, oh, honky tonk. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that this last year has... You know, I've been able to see some of the last matches of the likes of Matt Riddle and Keith Lee before they've head off to uh, you know Connecticut and Florida and stuff mm-hmm. like that for WWE. So 
it would definitely be OTT shows, but I'd probably go for some matches as key standouts. Okay, that's what's going to be my next question anyway. Uh, uh, sorry, before you get on to that, have you met any of the wrestlers? I know you don't really go- tend to do yeah, that. I'm not a big guy in meeting folks sort of thing, because I'm, again, the sort of person that's like, you know, these are just guys, especially with wrestlers at least, mm-hmm. you know, these are just guys, you know, that are earning a living and all... Meeting folks is obviously part of that, really. But it's never been a big thing, even when we were at, like, Access and all. I met, you know, a good number of people probably the first year because it was all part of the whole thing. Yeah. But the years thereafter, when I went to WrestleMania, it was really like, oh, I'm going to go watch the NXT matches. Yeah. Because I'm interested to see the, you know, the new kids coming, you know, up through the system and all. So I haven't really ever properly went and met the folks. Um, OTT can be a wee bit... Um, what can I say? A bit unreliable on the door opening times. Yeah, uh, that's independent wrestling for you. Um, plus with us traveling down from Belfast to Dublin, you're thinking you know if you weigh up the entire day, you know if you leave Belfast, let's say midday at lunchtime, mm-hmm. you're going to be down in Dublin for half two to three o'clock. Show starts maybe. 7 o'clock, show isn't over till 11pm, then you're not back up here to half one, two o'clock in the morning time. Ugh. So, if you think, if you wanted to be down for when they normally would let folks in yeah. to meet the wrestlers, they'd normally do that at about, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. That's probably the time when you arrive down to Dublin, if you've left at lunchtime, that you want to go get your food and all before the show. Yeah. So, if you really wanted to go and meet the folks you're adding even more time to your day. So it's okay. already a, you know, 14-odd hour day to go and do it. Is it something that I'd like to do and meet some folks down the line? Absolutely, because how long it'll be until you can meet some of these guys mm-hmm. is up for, you know, is a big question mark, yeah. really. Um, whether I'm going to see the likes of Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven and OTT again, probably slim. Mm-hmm. I'd expect the way things are going, because even... Here we go. We're on a tangent here, Chris. Uh, no, no, no. Fight, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> Fight Club Pro is a promotion that Trent Seven was kind of one of the yeah you know, originators of the show. He can't fight for it now. They lost a a leave you know a loser leaves Fight Club Pro to Devlin and Maloney and Banks. Mm-hmm. So he can't even wrestle in his own promotion. So to say, so if he can't even fight for his own promotion, he's not going to be. Yeah. Showing up in OTT anytime yeah. soon, I'd expect. But back to the matches, as we said. Uh, Walter versus Osprey. Uh, an absolutely ridiculous match that I recommend anybody to, you know, OTT have their own streaming service, much like Progress and all. I think it's actually on the same format as Progress, the same kind of I think of you can actually find it on YouTube as well. Um, there is, that's the good thing with OTT as well, is occasionally if there is like, a really buzzworthy match mm-hmm. that has come out of a show because uh, it's quite odd. Dave Meltzer kind of has quite an interest in OTT and he'll, like, if there's a buzzworthy match, he'll usually mention it. Oh, okay. And, like, retweet the YouTube links and stuff like that. But um, Walter versus Osprey, if it is on YouTube, go and just search Over the Top Wrestling on YouTube you'll see their channel. Yeah, make sure you matches. type in wrestling, otherwise you'll get a Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. <laughs> um, if it isn't, it's worth dropping the eight quid 
for a month's subscription to mm-hmm. uh, you know, their on-demand service just to watch this particular match. There has been criticisms about the amount of false finishes in it, but for me, the you know thing you can define a good wrestling match on for me is if you suck me in and make me forget yeah. that this is predetermined, yeah. that the winner has already been decided, and you get me involved in every pinfall, especially towards the end of a match, yeah. then you've done your job. Oh, totally. And totally. this match thoroughly did that. The whole arena was probably for the last 10 minutes of the match, standing on their feet. Nobody was sitting down for the entire finish of that match. Uh, all the folks at ringside were properly, you know, properly basically banging on the apron, up at the apron, as it was all going on. Uh, after that, uh, there's a bit of a theme coming here. Certain Mr. Osprey's involved in this match as well as Riddle versus Osprey. Okay. Which is one of Riddle's kind of last independent ones before the likes of Progress that he did at the Wembley. Mm-hmm. Show uh, Keith Lee, definitely one of Keith Lee's, close to his final independence, was Keith Lee versus Minoru Suzuki. Um, for a motorbike? <laughs> uh, Suzuki has become one of my absolute favourite guys out of New Japan. Uh, he's on the older side of things. He would be sort of... What would he be? He'd, he'd be probably... I think he's kicking it on late 40s in terms of it so he'd probably be kind of like your Undertaker Kane levels of experience in the mm-hmm. business um, but he is just this absolute madman that you know if he loses a match he'll end up going outside the ring and it's a thing in New Japan you've got the young lions the up and comers the trainees working in the dojos okay. in the craft but they always work at ringside for if there's anybody needs caught in a spot and stuff they'll be there sort yeah, of thing yeah um, but he'll just go outside and just start beating the absolute SH1T <laughs> out of them. So he will. And he just is really entertaining in mm. that regard. And he completely treats it near as a shoot. Okay. So he does. He doesn't see it as I'm going out here, you know, to entertain. I'm going out here to fight. Mm-hmm. So it is. So it's a really nice dynamic to have. His name is Suzuki and he loves to fight. Uh, another one uh, this year, which was kind of to a lot of people that don't know OTT, the name probably won't ring too much of a bell. Uh, and that's Scotty Davies versus Mark Haskins. Now, you got to see Mark Haskins recently, didn't you, as well? Yes, him versus... I got to meet Mark Haskins. Lovely, lovely fella. He's really, really good. Um, and, uh, of course, then it came with the question, where's Vicky? Oh, she's sitting at home with the kids. <laughs> like, every time I'm out by myself, I'm always asked, where's Vicky? <laughs> I didn't ask that. Karen asked it. You oh, know, cause, dear. Um, but, yeah, he signed my book. And just a very... Nice guy who spent some time with uh, a couple of kids and then was happy to pose for photos and stuff. So his match with Flip Gordon was quite good too. Uh, and then finally for me uh, is Jordan Devlin versus Zack Sabre Jr., which was an absolutely phenomenal match. It was another one that was at their big arena show. Okay. Because so was... I had a feeling those two fought at Progress and um, tore the house down. Um, said um, a lot of people who went there said it was one of the best matches that I'd seen in progress for it's, quite some time. It's kind of nice to see because I think Devlin has, and I kind of mentioned this in again when we were discussing independent wrestling in the UK, been unfairly probably deemed as you know, Finn the, Balor, the romance, yeah, Finn Balor, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But I think everybody's eyes have slowly been opened mm-hmm. to the sort of matches that he can put on. Yeah. Um, Especially with top tier talent as well, like I think 
His match with Pete Dunne on NXT UK yep. recently mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. fantastic. And I've yet to watch a match of his and being like, this is boring. Yeah. And that's always, I've always said to myself that that's a measuring stick for me is that if I watch a match and I'm invested or I start doing something else, I know, like, I really enjoyed his match with El Aguero. Um, I thought that match was superb. But yeah, um, like you say, you know, like with him being the import killer slash killer import. Whatever way it's deemed necessary, yes. um, he's he's one. He's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Absolutely, and you know Pete Dunne even came out on Twitter after that match and said it's one of his most favorite matches of recent memory. Well, that's so good. That's you know that's all the praise you really need in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, because again, Dunne has a very strong history with OTT, so I'm sure he was like, right, let's go out and tear the house down, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That's that's it for me for 2018 events. So, we will bid you all a fond farewell. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us on the show, feel free to tweet us or DM us on Twitter. Just search at RetroShockPod on there. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know the certain things that you would like to see uh, on the show uh, more next re- year. More wrestling talk. More wrestling talk. Um, be it movies, TV shows as well, comics, video games, all those lovely things from the past or present. Um, you can also then contact us on Facebook to search Operation Retroshock on there as well. Or if you want to contact both Chris and I directly, I'm at Alan G W Price. That's two L's and an A in that, and he's at Vinto three one six with and a three one and a six with a three one and a six I'd have never known yeah. uh, but if you also uh, have enjoyed the show if you enjoy any of our shows uh, please spare 30 seconds of your time <sighs> and it would be very much appreciated to go on to the likes of iTunes uh, Stitcher TuneIn Radio all those lovely places that the show is available Podbean as well uh, and leave us a lovely wee review or comment on there uh, if you've been enjoying the show, it would be very much appreciated. If you are in the States, please send us a screen grab because on a lot of those services, we can't get a hold of the American side of the reviews and comments. I think we can on Podbean. Podbean we can do, but the likes of iTunes, because it's two different stores, doesn't show up on ours. So uh, do that there. Um, send us a screenshot. We'll get in touch with you and we will cover a topic of your choice. Absolutely. Uh, so yes, everybody. Next week on the show, episode 136, is going to be our Christmas special for this year. Basically, Chris and I sit down and talk through, again, movies, TV shows, games, all those sort of different things. Also, even food. Yes. We discuss. That wasn't originally on uh, the rundown that we planned to discuss. But We talk about food more than we talk about Christmas music. Let's put that in the context yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, this is the lovely sort of things you get from us. But yes, Christmas special next week. Tune into that and we'll discuss all the lovely things that we do maybe year on year at Christmas time. All the games that we go back to, all the movies we watch, the TV shows that we feel we can couch potato in front of. And of course, like I said, the absolute food that we will eat too much of. But Yep, this has been episode 135 of Operation Retroshock. I've been Alan Price. He's been Chris Fint. Best of 2018. And we'll see you all for Christmas next week. Yeah.